Friday form panel. Welcome to a big episode. We need the audio from the castle where it's like, it's a kick out notice to Gareth Hall. He's just still here. He's hanging around. I think he wants to hear our winners because last week uh, we were on absolute fire and particular my great mate, Dan Malecki. Dan, how are you, mate? Uh, hopefully we can find as many as we did last week. Well, let's let's hope so. It's not about just having one really good week, is it? It's about being consistent all the way through um, in sharing our um, our pots of gold, uh, if indeed we get that far. Um, let's hope. Am I still dreaming? Um, no, nonetheless. Good morning to you, Tobe. Hope you're well. Hope all our listeners are well. And that's what we endeavour to do is to find a winner or two. It's... Um, it's still something special, isn't it, when you can find a winner? Um, it's not always easy, but when you're finding a winner at a little bit of odds, if you get it at $12 and it starts sixes and it wins, you know, it's a highlight, isn't it? And then it can take seemingly forever before you can replicate that. So that's what our aim is. It certainly is, mate. But uh, last week, I don't know whether you're aware or whether you actually look back at it, you, you tipped three first fours in order. Now you mention it, that's true. Um, I'd <laughs> forgotten about it uh, at the time and focused on... i tell you what I did have last week. There were some very exciting and close photo finishes, uh, one massive upset in particular. Um, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride, but it was a very entertaining uh, show. Uh, if you could include uh, top to tail, um, there was plenty happening through the course of the night. But now that you bring that up, I'm I'm not going to offer any argument at all. I think your uh, uh, the statistics that you've brought up this morning are, are perfectly accurate. I'd never challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got a big show as per usual. We'll get through uh, Melton, the Ballarat card. We'll get some tips from you for Melton as well. And I've arranged uh, Leroy O'Brien. It's sort of a a, a a 50 cents each way, sort of with Leroy O'Brien. He's got a very interesting runner in tonight called Destroyer who's trialled really impressively, Dan. Uh, it's having its first start in a maiden trot. And, uh, of course, Sir Eros in tomorrow night. So we'll catch up with Leroy at 11 o'clock, which will be interesting to hear his thoughts on both of those horses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Stables, well, he, he, he's had a fantastic year so far, a number of wins. He took out that Tontine double, which must be pretty special for him and yeah. his family as well. And as you said, he's got one of the better-backed uh, runners uh, going around tonight. So um, we want to hear from him. I've actually tracked down the uh, John Fladgate was the man that initiated the Tontine, a Canadian guy that ended up on the harness racing board. And uh, he hasn't been involved in harness racing since the early 90s. I've tracked him down, and uh, next month we're going to catch up for a chat. So... Uh, as a side note, Dan, these are the sort of strange things I track down and the stories I like to bring to light. So it'll be interesting to catch up with John. I've got, I did a little highlights package uh, as we go to the break, Dan. You, you'll probably be a tad embarrassed about this, but I, I couldn't resist. We, we both had a great week last week, so I've done up a little highlights package as we go to the <laughs> break and then we'll come back on the other side uh, and we'll, we'll turn our attention to Ballarat. Three, one, four, and eight in the first. I have not seen your tips, Dan, as you well know. And uh, I'm three, one, four, eight. Clear up the straight. Rock and roll. Waller can't get to it. Then Holy Basil, Regal Rock. But it's I think he's going all the way. I think a soft win in the end. One at six metres. Rock and roll. Waller second. Holy Basil runs third. Regal Rock fourth. Yep. Numbers were three, one, four, and eight. 
Dan and I tipping the first four in order. It paid only $32.30, but it was a great way to start the night. And that's the first of three first fours Dan tipped in order last week. I just wondered about Sovereign Tiger as the value play of the race at $18, I think. But Sovereign Tiger, Sovereign Tiger got through to win it in courses. So if you made me have $10 on something, Beach Life... The place. And Cypher beat Treachery. Terrific run first up. Beach Life third. Yeah. Uh, to dash through. So it could be his advantage if it does work out that way. One, four, three, seven. It's Jellyby Nitro coming away. Jellyby Nitro won it. Second place goes to Whiskey Cavalier. Third where Seggy. Fourth. Let's rock. Let's roll. So that first four in order tipped by Dan. One, four, three, seven. Paid $205.90. One. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll change my tips to two, three, four, six. Majestical Bell won it. Majestical Bell beat Royal Charlotte and Eck. Ten away, Tipsy Turvey third. Uh, fourth is close. Elderberry and Keeper Orve. Numbers in that race were three, four, two, and six. And that first four paid $2,622. Two, one, seven, and then four. It's Elderberry Jensen in front. Elderberry Jensen, the favourite, gets home and beats Avenal Eagle, Darcy's Fireball, and fourth home. I'm having a good time. And you guessed it. Numbers were two, one, seven, and four. Dan Malecki's third first four picked in order on the night. And what was Dan's multi last week? So yeah. I'm suggesting Rock and Roll Waller a place, race one, number one. Uh, into Jillaby Nitro, a place, race seven, yeah, number one. Yeah. Into Elderberry and Miley, a win, race 10, number one. What do you think? No need to say. Of course, it came in and you would have got back, if you had to put it on last Friday, about $3.72. Let's take a break now. We'll come back the other side and we'll turn our attention to race one at Ballarat on Saturday night. No, uh, Jason Bonington, I'll tell you what, Dan, you, you put up a little package of your own achievements and you find out there's a lot more people listening than what you realise as they're starting to pile in on me and uh, anyone that reckons they can run a 27 quarter uh, and wants to tell me I'm head wobbling, uh, good luck to them. How are you? How are you, Sean McNulty? Um, let's, <laughs> let's turn our attention to Ballarat, Dan, and i tell you what, mate, I've done some stats at Metropolitan meetings. I did it for Bendigo and Kilmore. And just looking back, about 30 to 35% of horses at Metro level win when they lead at those two venues, at the little the, the, the data sets I did. And on this one, Ballarat, 60%. So two in, say, three horses win when they lead at Metro level at Ballarat. So... We, I, I, I pretense that for a lot of the tips that uh, we'll be giving out throughout this show, I'd imagine you'd be the same. It's just without that sprint lane, I think it becomes really leader dominated. What are your thoughts? Oh, there's no doubt about that. And well done with your package that you picked out before. You brought back a lot of memories that I'd uh, <laughs> that had quickly faded for for me and you. You tip fantastic as well. Oh no, look, you're spot on. And sometimes uh, it takes you a race or two uh, if you're having a, a punt to remind you mm. when they're metropolitan class of horses, and that's the key, um, or a, a group of horses that are on the cusp of metropolitan, uh, it just makes it so much harder to come from behind. Uh, and we see that, I, I believe, at, at all of the tracks that, um, uh, all the non-Melton metropolitan meetings. Um, so I think you're spot on, and it's good to bring it up before a race meeting, because mm. often uh, you can be reminded uh, by it 
uh, or it has brought to your attention <laughs> after. That's right. Yeah, yeah afterwards. Mm. Right. So having said that, how do we settle on race one? An intriguing race, the deep. The Deco Glaze Glass Splashbacks Pace. Try saying that fast five times. Yeah, well, I sort of practice all that sort of stuff, so I reckon I can. The key is to just slow down a little bit. Yeah. And if you do that and sprint at the 400, I don't think they'll beat the chancer. So that's the way I see it. Yeah. And the splat, the splashback might be the sand grit coming back in the faces of the others. I think the horse is going really well, gets a good gait. Um, and, uh, look, he, he doesn't have to lead to win, but I think he's a really good chance of, of ending up there. And uh, I thought he, he is the horse to beat. It's not a bad field. Mal- Malanian was the horse I thought went to Geelong and mm. I expected could win. Very disappointing. I wanted to over-race uh, and then didn't really finish it off either, just driven with the one run. But I think Kate really had no choice. She had to try to settle it. And um, I didn't really like what I saw, to be truthful. But the run prior was excellent. It was the sort of run of a horse that was ready to win. So... I don't want to exclude Melanion and to take an early quality, I definitely put it in, but I think the chance is the one to beat number three. From from nine, Sex Brutally Handsome is the sort of horse that could blaze off the gate, particularly with Anthony Butt and, and lead at the 1,700 metres. So he, he's a good chance. He can make a fist of it at the early part. Um, so he's a decent enough pacer. And Kian Kamikaze's just got that awkward draw, but it might suit to get into the top four. So three, nine, six and eight, but very keen number three. Three, nine, six, and eight for Dan. Buster William came over from Tassie and talking with Jamie Cockshut yesterday. Uh, we thought that he he could work to the front potentially, Buster William. And although that he doesn't have a great uh, short course record over the short distance, and speaking with James Herbertson last night, he wasn't too worried about that. The horses the horses had two hard runs from tricky draws over here in Victoria. James felt last night that. The horse was spot on, and if he happened to work to the front, you wouldn't mind being on at the $11 and $2.80 race one. Number two, Buster William trying to find those leaders early doors. Race two is the BallaratTrottingClub.com.au trot, and we will catch up with Leroy O'Brien later, but we'll get your tips here, Dan. He was sensational, Sir Eros, two starts back when he flashed home at uh, at Bendigo. And I, I, you just feel like, I oh know, sorry, last start when he flashed home at Bendigo, two starts back, he worked so hard at the start of the race. Oh, you just feel like after that, that week off that he's going to be a great chance, Sir Eros. Yeah, Um Oh, yeah, look, I, I, it's, it's a race where I, I'm factoring in a, a number of horses, but keep in mind you've got Gaelic Lad, who's got a bit of gate speed, Love Gun, they're both first up, a number of other horses are going okay but haven't won for a while, Sovereign Tiger got the pegs, needs it. It, it. Look, it might be a rough chance again, but and Royal Charlotte's found her mojo, but back out of a stand start, just a bit touchy, fitter, better draw. You know, there are some a balance of some positives and question marks as well. Meadow Valley Star was a terrific drive to get up and win last start. And so Eros just, he, he's a pretty well-balanced horse, the smaller field. He doesn't have to rush. Uh, to a degree, he can make his own luck. Um, and I think this horse, Eros, uh, the mischievous god of love, will be loved by all the punters because I think he'll be able to get the money. He is my tip, uh, number nine, but I've just got a lot of respect for others in the race. Uh, with just a bit touchy, most notably, uh, can improve significantly. Eight Meadow Valley star and seven Royal Charlotte, nine, four, eight and seven.
Yeah, you know, I love Mid-O Valley Star, Dan, but I just worry about that last corner at Ballarat. He, yes. I've seen him at Cranbourne struggle to get around that last corner. And and at Melton, oh, when was that? When, uh, three or three runs ago when he had the broken gear, he really struggled to trot around that last corner at Melton. So really concerned about that last bend for him. And I, I just wondered... If Royal Charlotte pinged off the gate here at seventeen dollars and three fifty, could potentially uh, find the top and hand up to something. It's got a wonderful record at Ballarat. Royal Charlotte's won a couple of races there, and I really uh, factor in at Ballarat's like an eight hundred metre track, particularly for the trotters. So I look for horses that go well on on the small, tight turning tracks, and Sir Eros has got a pretty good record on those as well. Race two. We will catch up with Leroy O'Brien at 11 o'clock and we'll no doubt talk more about Sir Eros. Race three at Ballarat is the Isuzu Mux seven-seater four-year-old pace. This These four-year-old races are always so intriguing. There's different levels of horses. There's such different form lines between them and they're, they're often really hard to, to work out and the, the wonderful mare, I'm wrongly accused, with a very cleverly named Rubens Pite, named after Sir Reuben Carter, uh, starts off the second row for Matty Craven and is currently the favourite at $2.15, Dan. Yeah, and, and the race itself, uh, the, the type of race it is, it covers a lot of classes here. So it yeah. looks as if Rubens Pite is, is thrown in. Um, and he's got a good turn of foot. The smaller field would, would help as well. Um, he'll have to come away from the pegs, I suspect. And look, but I, I think he's a talented enough horse. He's got improvement in him because he won first up. He had the right run to win, but it, it was just impressive the way he accelerated uh, and, and found the line. So if he can chase as well, and, and really he should be able to in a lineup like this, um, in some cases, he's giving away, uh, on average, about 13 points to some of his rivals, which means he's a couple of classes above mm. um, some of the opposition. So with that in mind, he, he finds a really good race. So I, I've got eight on top, Ruben's plight, uh, four he's Ollie, flashed home last start, seven national news, and uh, and also number one, Barra Mac is way out of its class, but um, it ran a terrific race at huge odds last start, was unlucky to start before, and it just might get a right, the right run to be uh, a place hope or add uh, value into a first four. And you know how we like getting first fours, uh, yes, Toby. Yes, yes, um, <laughs> Eight, four, seven and one. Eight, four, seven, and one for Dan. Ru- Ruben's Pite's interesting, isn't he? He's had five preparations. He had two starts in his first prep, then came back for two starts as an early three-year-old, then five starts as a late three-year-old, and then five starts earlier in the year. And what that tells me, knowing Matty Craven, that he's always had an opinion of the horse, but always felt he needed time and needed that time to measure up. And he had a brother to him, Kimball. There's another one uh, whose name escapes me. He's had two starts for two wins. Uh, it just feels like a horse Matty Craven's taken a lot of time with. And I'm, I'm not going to compare him to Better Isolate, but he's done similar things with horses like Better Isolate. And uh, I think that says a lot about Ruben's plight. Uh, he's always should be the horse. Do you think he's always the horse that gets to the pegs at the start then? Um. Yeah, I'm not sure, but is it you think would be a good chance, wouldn't you? Particularly from the middle of the line. So I think that is a strong possibility. Banks of the Murray's the other one. It can get out really quick as well. So um, he's Ollie doesn't have to lead. The thing is, its chances aren't dented if it doesn't. 
Yeah, and in all those stats I did as well, the chair, the horses in the chair at Ballarat that sit parked have a much higher percentage of running placings. 50% of the time they've run placings where I I have, I have didn't go back and check Bendigo and Kilmore for the horses sat in the chair, but 50% of the time placed from sitting in the chair, I would have thought would be really high, that people would be surprised at that. So he's always sitting parked. Uh, certainly wouldn't frighten anybody. And there's just one other horse in this race, Dan. Top Gun Ted He's first up from a spell. I don't know how forward he is, but he's a nice little horse, this horse, Top Gun Ted. He, he was really good in EK break. Uh, cup heat at stall when I was there on course and he had no luck in the final he's had a little let up and I, I expect he'll go he'll go a bit further in his career I just don't know if it'll be on Saturday night we're belting through them actually pretty good Dan because uh, the, the, the quicker we get through them the more time we could spend with Leroy on the other side of the 11 o'clock news race four is a very intriguing race the Ferndale confectionery two-year-old pace and it'll be sweet Enough to whoever wins this race. Uh, uh, we'll get one more in. Or do we need to have a break, Ollie? Yeah. All right. We've got one minute 30, Dan. So Ollie's telling me we better go to a break, which is fair enough. All right. We'll take a break, Dan. We'll come back and we might look at race four. Welcome back. Toby McKinnon, Dan Malecki with you. The Ferndale Confectionery two-year-old pace is an intriguing affair, Dan. And the only thought I really had in this was, don't be surprised if Doug's flame is pretty close to him at the finish. I think can't possibly see it winning the race, but it was only beaten five and a half metres at Bendigo when they dashed home in 54-7 when it was on the leaders back on that occasion. It was leaders back at Geelong beaten 6.9 by Smoke and A. So I think it'll, it'll figure in the top four somewhere. What were your thoughts? Good race, isn't it? Mm. Um, Kingman, I was very impressed by on debut. He had an inside gate, but... He got off the gate pretty well, and he was really strong to the line, and he'll naturally improve. Smoke and ace, well, you can't knock him three for three, and he has that good gate speed, so he should test early, maybe even cross. Chart top of first up, naturally with improvement to come, but he's already um, raced at, a, at a, a really high level, so he, he might just simply be the class runner. Um, and then I deferred to a Doug's Flame as a maiden. You've got to get the right run, as you say, and he probably should be running into the the top four. Um, so, look, I've gone Kingman, but I reckon my tips are based pretty much on the, the barrier draws yeah. and what I perceive to be as the barrier draw advantage. So two, five, six and one, but it's a ripper race. Yeah, I think you could easily <laughs> switch them around in whatever order you wanted, those two, five, and six. And I don't think they'll run the trifecta there. I just don't, I don't think they can all get the right run, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. <laughs> right, let's get to a break. We'll come back the other side. Looking forward to catching up with Leroy O'Brien, a very interesting runner tonight, Destroyer, and then also on Saturday night with Sir Eros. The news and back with Leroy O'Brien, the other side. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. Toby McKinnon and Dan Malecki with you. And Leroy O'Brien joins us. Firstly, Leroy, how are you, mate, and whereabouts are you today? Yeah, good, thanks, Toes. Uh, just at home, just getting through them. We had a bit of rain again overnight last night, so we're sloshing it out again. But uh, I think everyone's in the same boat. It's one of them wet years. Right, so you're swimming them instead of working them today, mate? Uh, no, they're on the track today. The track's <laughs> held up pretty well, but they swam, they swam yesterday. We got the water walker in, so they, they all they all got in there yesterday. But um, they, get, they get changed up and down, depending on, uh, depending on the weather. 
I was only joking, but it uh, turned out it was, <laughs> I was somewhat on the right track if you've got the water walker. When did you get the water walker? I've uh, probably had it in about six months now. So it's, um, I've been using it for about six months, but we built it all ourselves, so it's, um, it's been a long, um, long process to get it up and going, but it's up and going now. Now, mate, there's a horse in tonight that will kick off with Destroyer, who's a very cleverly named horse. It's a uh, medieval war horse, and it's out of a mare called Meredith Castle, who's an interesting horse in herself. She's side three pacing aside. Oh, she's the mother of three pacing winners and four trotting. So there's a bit of a mix there, and it's a four-year-old horse with a really big and well-known group of owners. Tell us a bit about Destroyer. Yeah, so he's um, he must have he's close to being here three to four months now. He, uh, um, I've pre-trained quite, uh, just a few for Clayton and Emma and um, this is one of them that, that I got asked to, to take on and um, yeah, one thing led to another and then um, Tom Hogan asked me, well, I just mentioned about giving him a start or two before he goes back to Clayton and Emma and I'm very grateful for that. So um, yeah, tonight's, tonight's his first try, uh, first start for, for, for him as well but uh, yeah, he will go back to Clayton and Emma in the next start or two but um, yeah, it's been really good to be able to have that opportunity with such a great group of owners. Well, it, it, he's been well found, uh, Leroy. Dollar sixty for a debut performance. So it seems as if uh, if you were trying to keep it secret, that part hasn't worked out so well because um, it seems as if there's a bit of an expectation about his first run tonight. Uh, yeah, there is. But at the same time, he's um, you know, like you said, he's a. Uh, um, he's like he's a four-year-old on debut. He's only only had two trials, and um, he'd had a long break before uh, he come here. Like he, it's a, like he, he was off the scenes for a long time. He wasn't in work um, for quite a long time, and um, yeah, his trials uh, they stand up quite well with with the form of um, Sir Ed and and Buckles, and obviously Queen of Quebec. They beat him at um, at Melton trial in '59, and uh, that was his first trial. Um, and first time under lights, and he'd done a few things wrong that night. He wasn't wasn't hundred, wasn't trying hundred percent, but he's we're quite happy with him. And um, you know, like we don't, you know, there's no expectations tonight, but apart from being a dollar sixty, but um, I think Damien Wilson's also out of the pole. I think he might be a little bit of an underdog tonight, but um, our bloke's quite a nice horse, and he's he's worked right through with with Sir Eros. So um, yeah, he, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of bottom to him, but it, um, whatever happens tonight happens tonight. But he's he's a horse that will will go somewhere. Was there a reason why he had such a long time off, mate? That you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. No, he was just uh, you know like he was just brought here to be pre-trained for for eight weeks, and eight weeks just kept getting longer and longer. So lucky for me. You, you, if they turn up to get him, you'll have to say, "Oh, he's in the back paddock, and he's just impossible to catch." <laughs> I might be, I might have a different opinion of that tonight after tonight, but um, no, he um, he's a nice horse. He's a lovely, as you said, he Meredith has done a wonderful job as a broodmare as well. And um, I mean, Lindy, I think he was, uh, I think they paid a little bit for him at the sales. So he, um, yeah, but he's uh, he's a cool dude. And um, as I said, I don't, I don't think whatever happens tonight happens tonight. But he's a, he's a horse that will, I think, I believe that will be going somewhere in the future. Um, Leroy, you've had a terrific season. The Tontine uh, double must have been quite extraordinary for you. Two horses that you really got to peak at the, the right time, but one of which we're talking about as in running tomorrow in Sir Eros and Blake Bolak, who's, I think, emerging as a a horse that could capture a really big race for you. Yeah, he's another one. That he's done a lovely job like, for what he is. He's, um, you know, uh, my brother-in-law and my sister brought, brought the mare in foal to um, Sunshine Beach and 
for fifteen hundred dollars, and he's the, the result of the of the purchase. And he's he's big and he's lanky, and uh, he hadn't got much upstairs. But he, um, you know, look, he, you can't really knock him. He sort of he just seems to turn up each week. And um, you know, if you worked him at home, you wouldn't think you know, that he was much good. But he um, he just seems to keep producing. And I don't know if time will actually help him because he's he's really not that smart. But um, I don't think he really has to improve much more to be able to just sort of keep going through his grades and do a job for the owners. And um, yeah, we're very lucky to have him in the stable. That, don't be so down hard, and mate. I ended up on the radio, so there could be a big future for him yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be hard on yourself, Toby. <laughs> now, now, Sir Eros, I don't know where it was or what it was, or might have been at the trials or somewhere. You and I were standing talking um, as we as we do, and you said to me, "This horse could win the Derby." And I don't think he'd even raced at that stage. He might have had one or two starts, perhaps, and. He just didn't quite have the three-year-old year that you hoped for. Was there was it as he grew, or was there some reasons why? Yeah, he's. Um, I've had. A, oh, I shouldn't talk too much about him, but he because I love the horse and he's one of my favourite. Like we've had Sir Blake and Princess Gemma, and I wouldn't swap him for any. I love him, love him to death. But he um, he had he had an OCD and he he'd actually raced these two starts as a two-year-old with the OCD, which we weren't aware of at the time and. So that, that sort of put him back, and then he didn't really come up and uh, bits and pieces, and he grew, and, um, like, he's still a bit raw still now, but he's, um, yeah, he's a nice horse. He is a nice horse, and um, I've not taken anything away from him from the Tom team, but, like, the field he beat that night probably, like, it wasn't a normal Tom team field, but he, he'd done it so well around such a small track, at, like, out wide and got home well, and um, I think we've sort of probably been driving him a little bit upside down with... Uh, you know, now he's up in class with trying to drive him a little bit more tougher than what he is. Um, and like last week, I know if he didn't if he didn't break out of the start, I think he would have been right in it. But he would have been driven with a sit last week, no matter what, or the week before at Bendigo. So that's I think going forward, that's how he will be driven driven cold and leaving him with one run and um, leave his speed to do the work. So does that suit a track like Ballarat? I mean, I, I tend to to see him suited by drawing the back row, even though it's not a bad back row draw because El Rosamo can get out all right. But Ballarat, as Toby was alluding to before, and particularly for the trotters, um, it probably doesn't suit a horse that's going to come back with one run three and four deep from the 400. Yeah, I agree to a certain extent. Like, if it was Melton, it probably suit him a lot better. But um, as I mm. said, like, he, he got a random uh, rat quite well, so I don't think Ballarat... Uh, and I don't think he's going to get all that far back either, so... Um, but um, and and Mark Pitt driving him, uh, Mark was qu- quite uh, quite happy with him at Bendigo and wanted to keep the drive, which is you know one of the best drivers we've got in Victoria at the moment. And, um, you can't you can't really beat him, and he wants to keep the drive, so that's always a good sign. Now, one last one from me, Leroy. Can you dispel the rumor that you actually named this horse after Dan Malecki? Sir, Eris? Uh, I'm not going to say that. Uh, we don't want to look up Sir Eros as the, the great god of, uh, of the wrong wrong way, but um, uh, no, that is not true. Okay. <laughs> it could have been true, no. but in this case, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, he's a nice. He'll run a good race tomorrow night. He's just got to get away. But um, well, I'm pretty pretty confident from the second row that uh, that it will will suit him a lot more and. Um, He's jumping. He is jumping out of his skin. He looks. Uh, he, he's actually been clipped um, since last start, so he's he looks really well. He's big and strong, and um, he's ready to roll tomorrow night. He's just got to get away. 
Any more from he's you? He's certainly Dan? a b- yeah, okay. big and strong. No, there's no doubt about that. He does stand out, doesn't he? When he, I can imagine if he is clipped and uh, you know he's just come from the hairdressing salon, he's going to look pretty good because uh, I don't think you'd want to run into him in a, on a dark night. So. Um, you know, he's a pretty powerful built trotter and he's, when he trots, he, he, he's a very fluent trotter, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And like it's, um, I don't really want to see myself as a going forward as having too many trotters, but it seems that it, that's the way things sort of happen every now and again. But you don't ever really get the feel out of a pacer than what it does to sit behind a nice trotter. And um, we've had a couple over the year, like Crown Dream wasn't, like he wasn't up to the best, but he won, the, like he won three or four country cups and, um, Wind in your suit won the South Australia Trotters Cup back with Dad, and we've had some nice trotters come through here. But he's just something different to sit behind. And another horse that's in tonight, he's he's a little bit the same. Like he doesn't feel like he's um, he's got a bottom to him, which is like he, we've got a thousand metre hill track, which sorts him out quite quickly. And uh, there hasn't been able to sort those two out yet. Well, with all those trotters, uh, we thank you for coming on, Leroy o- O'Conroy. Uh, and best of, best of luck tonight and tomorrow night, mate. <laughs> no worries. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> on you, Leroy. Uh, Dan, let's uh, get a breakaway. We'll come back and we'll turn our attention to race five at Ballarat. Welcome back. Toby McKinnon and Dan Malecki with you and the world's best panel operator with the wrong intro stinger. So uh, interesting stuff there from Ollie's just... Just throwing him under the bus too. Race five at Ballarat is the Isuzu Ute pace. And, Dan, this is when we start weighing up class versus barrier draws. Where did you settle in race five? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Um, it, it's a, it's, look, Tango Tower looks really well placed. Um, but we've mentioned Ballarat before. Um, yeah. This is over the short trip too, coming around them wide. Now, I think Tango Tara might be able to push on and, and work around them and get to a, a forward half of the field position um, inside the first half a lap. You're going to have to work to get there. Um, I, I think rightly so, you'd say he's the class, particularly with uh, um, Fitness on his side, whereas Bulletproof Boys first up. Um, ever hoping, interesting, Greg Sugars is, is driving it instead of like Captain. I thought like Captain was really good last week um, and has the gate speed. Ever hoping's very good and gets that draw. Kafaji's consistent enough. Ultimate Vinny's got a bit of gate speed. I'd think probably be prepared to take the sit and Huling Yen's going to be looking for a little bit of luck. Um, I can see Tango Tara quite possibly getting around the sit parked comfortably enough. Kafaji could be the only... Um, thorn in his side if he ends up in that position. But if he's there quickly enough, Tango Tara, um, Kafaji might end up taking the trail. If indeed Kafaji doesn't lead, because he gets that okay himself. There's a few possible scenarios. I just think it's a good race for Tango Tara at the top of his game. Won't be easy uh, because it's 1,700, but I, I think it's a good race for him. And number 11, from two ever hoping, three Kafaji and eight Huli Nien. I... I, I could bat up for Yorkshire as well to maybe get into the top four. It, look, I don't know. I keep finding reasons why um, he, he might have had a little bit of an excuse in some of his recent runs. So I, I wouldn't exclude him at least from your exotic plays here. But uh, I think Tango Tar is the one to beat. Um, ever hoping's first up, and it's never easy first up, but uh, is a pretty smart horse, and I'd be keeping an eye on any market moves about him. 11, 2, 3, and 8. Ultimate Vinny, 
Uh, last October, he led and won at Ballarat and won 55.7. Uh, December at Geelong, he led and won in 153.8. In May at Melton, he sat leaders back and won in 153.6. Uh, he, he's 10 to 1. He can lead this race. I think initially early, it's up to Nathan Jack what he does, whether he hands up to someone or doesn't. I don't think Kafaji is dynamic off the gate. He likes to bully his way to the front. I think Nathan Jack uh, holds the front with Ultimate Vinny for a long, long way in this race. Uh, whether it is on the finish line, I'm not sure, but uh, I think he'll be there for quite some time. So uh, Ultimate Vinny, and again... It's really a battle between the two, isn't it? You're weighing up barrier draws and position in running versus the class. Tango Tara, I agree, obviously the highest class horse in the race. Uh, equal probably with Bulletproof Boy on records, but he's first up from a spell. So uh, very interesting race. Kylie Sugar's driven like captain a lot of times, so I wonder if that's factored into it as well for their decision-making process. Uh, race... There is one interesting yeah, runner okay. there. Kowalski analysis, we, we sort of haven't touched. I saw him trial the other day. Just looked like a horse that was going to improve with the run, but he has got blistering gate speed, hasn't he? So he's the one that could make it interesting early. Uh, I just wanted to mention his name. So someone says, hey, you forgot about Kowalski analysis. So I did consider him, haven't put him in, and might bite me on the gluteus maximus later. He's a high-maintenance horse, uh, Kowalski analysis, and he didn't do well out of that Mildura Cup final. He He was poor. Uh, and no doubt uh, the tra- the trek up and back twice in a week probably took it out of him. He's had that gap, and I'll tell you what, David Lewis has done an amazing job with that horse, absolutely amazing when you factor everything in. Yeah, uh, oh, he certainly has. Uh, he, he trialled was at stall last week, and he won his trial pretty easily, but um, I, I just wonder, he, he might have needed, uh, and he's probably had a, a decent enough fit-out since then, but I just got the opinion that um, uh, he, he will take benefit from racing. But the, the asset he's got is that really good gauge speed, and he might be the one that just crosses with ease. I mean, it, it wouldn't shock anyone if he just flew the gate, and then if he did, I'd expect he'd take a trial. You'll appreciate this, Dan. One of the greatest performances I've ever seen on a racetrack happened at stall trials. Go on. Ken Salmon was commentating the trials, right? And a horse has won the trial. I can't remember the exact distance. I think he said as it crossed the line by 76 metres, right? Now, I was uh, the photo finish operator and doing it properly, you know, so I had the official margin and you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it, Dan. It was 76 metres. I wouldn't have expected anything less from Ken, to be truthful. <laughs> he, he, he'd been calling the trials there far often than I've been calling the races. So <laughs> yeah. um, I would expect that he should know that uh, real estate, that territory better than anyone. <laughs> yeah, true. It was, I was staggered. I nearly fell off my chair to get it exactly right, 76. And uh, Lockie was disappointed in his effort last night. He said 30 and it was 40 metres when Prince of Rock won in impressive fashion. I don't know if you saw that, but go back and watch that astounding performance last night, Prince of Rock, tipped by Darren Carroll here on SEN Track as well. Race six, the Isuzu D-Max X-Terrain Pace. Another intriguing affair. And I'm going to, in the end here, Dan, there's so much gate speed and I think so many horses are going to want the front. This could be the race where they go really hard early and may set it up for something at the back. 
Uh, I, you could nearly line these up on a dartboard, throw a dart at it, and whichever one you hit could be the horse you could have something on in this race. So I, you can make a case for anything you want, and I'll agree with you. Okay. Um, look, Sweet Passion was the one that I saw and thought, well, A, you're a good chance of leading, but I take on board that there's a lot of gate speed in the race. The horse is going well, mm. um, and I thought actually at pretty good odds, $5.50. Matty Craven's got two in the race. We better believe it's the other one uh, with Greg Sugars to drive. So there's not much between them in the market. Major Man Bar's going really well, but one thing that um, – I <laughs> He beat Sweet Passion last start, and that's a pretty good form line. But two dollars thirty about Major Man Bar, I thought was at the bottom end, yeah. Uh, because there are a few other chances. I always seem to bat up for Finn Frost, but um, he, he sort of hasn't fulfilled the 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 deal that we had uh, together. Um, but I wouldn't leave him out of a race like this if it's run the way you say it could be. And Sanday's the other one, and obviously Arg, they'll be the benefit uh, beneficiaries if. There is that extremely fast tempo on. But, look, I think Sweet Passion's going really well. Uh, to beat uh, Major Man Bar, Arg and Sande, five, six, nine and eight. But if you were are taking um, your, your quaddies, it's probably the leg where you could um, you might have to take an A quaddie and then a B quaddie. I, I usually always have We Better Believe It in my numbers. And for the first time in recent history, he's not in my top four. Yeah, well, he'll win then, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, I was intrigued. So I did a little – I'm not used to this sort of stuff, but I worked out that numbers 4, 7, 9, and 10, I think will be the back four runners. I think they'll all go back. And I thought, I wonder what odds you would get if you bundle bet those four runners, the 4, 7, 9, and 10, just on the basis that they may go really hard early. I think Major Major will try and lead. I think We Better Believe It will try and lead. I think then Sweet Passion will be coming across. It may even try and lead and hand up to We Better Believe It. Major Man Bar will go forward. So that sort of left me 4, 7, 9, and 10. I was just concerned about Sanday getting buried on the pegs. So those four horses to win came out at $2.78, which I thought was interesting. Arg got home terrifically well at Kilmore when he ran third. And, and Finn Frost, he won at Melton back in March from five back the outside. And imagine he'll be in a similar position and... For all the banging on I've done about leaders winning at Ballarat, I, it, it can reverse the it can happen in reverse in a sense that everyone starts believing it. They all try and lead, and then and then uh, then of course uh, they come from the back. That didn't happen Cup night in January. All nine leaders led. Uh, all nine leaders won on Cup night back in January at Ballarat. So uh, it could. I don't think that'll happen again. That's pretty unusual, uh, but it just very well may. Race seven is the feature of the night. The John Slack Memorial Trotters Cup. Spoke to Ross Graham yesterday, who's shooting for his third win in this race with the nephew of Sunoco. And I suppose uh, the takeaway from Ross was that he felt like the horse would probably need the run. He, he's best when he races uh, more regularly than he has been able to lately. It's been tricky finding a race for him. Uh, so that's the one little piece of information I can add for you, Dan, before you tip away in race seven. Yeah, look, a challenging race. Some of the trotting races lately have been. Mm. Um I am not confident in the direction that I'm going here, but I just thought Sleepy would improve. Mobile, I mean, you don't necessarily get a great build-up of extra fitness because you're in a stand-start race first up, as opposed to, say, a mobile, where you're running along from the gate a, a furlong or two out before you hit release point. 
But from the draw, she might just get that cushy enough mm. run to be a, a chance if she gets a bit of daylight late. She's a very, very good mare. Um, Lettuce trots up in class, um, making the sort of progress that he will be mixing it with these horses often. I mean, he's the early favourite, so you would think he would. Chinese Whisper, as much as he won last start and did a good job, can you trust him? And certainly at the price, I, I would look away. So I'm in the corner of Sleepy with no great confidence here. Eight, one Lettuce trots, seven uh, Chinese Whisper, and... Uh, our good old mate anywhere, Hugo, continues to perform really well. So eight, one, seven, and three. Um, but in a race that I'm not sure I've figured out correctly just yet. Well, anywhere Hugo's fourteen dollars and three dollars ten from gate three, right? Bullion mm-hmm. Harry is seven dollars fifty from gate five. Well, when when anywhere Hugo he beat Bullion Harry, Lettuce Trot, and Well Defined, uh, only about what five or six runs back, whenever that was. And he's longer odds than Lettuce Trot and and Bullion Harry. He he beat Nephew of Sunoco uh, when he ran fourth. Nephew of Sunoco ran fifth. So he's longer odds than him, and he's off the second row. He beat Bullion Harry twice since he won on that first time I'm referencing. So he's got three victories up over Bullion Harry in recent months, and he's double the odds. Uh, yeah, can't work that one out he's racing absolutely sensational i think uh, he'll go forward he'll get a spot in the running line somewhere uh stagger he's staggering value i just uh, you just can't go back through his form and bullion harry's form and see how he's longer odds than bullion harry it's just uh very intriguing uh to me that i just can't get over it let's get to eleven thirty news uh, we'll come back the other side. We'll wrap up races eight and nine. We've got Dan's Multi, which got up last week. Uh, we'll have some best bets for Melton as well tonight and uh, our best for Saturday night as well. You win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Welcome back. Friday form panel, Toby McKinnon and Dan Malecki with you. And race eight is the Deco Glaze Central Victoria Pace. And Dan, an interesting little mare's race. And I must admit, I'm a little bit biased here because I've got a little uh, fascination with a mare in this race, Ruby Wingate. Uh, I think she's racing terrifically well. She's always over the odds. She's going to get a great pegs run and it might be more heart than it is head because I don't know what it is. There's just something about her. Uh, <laughs> I don't see how she's going to win the race, but I just got to stick with her. That's uh, for some strange reason. What? How did you see it? Look, I think it's all about Fiamma, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, at a prohibitive quote here, but she's got that profile. She's got the record nine from seventeen. Picket fence. What? It's about five in a row now. Um, and she just should have that class edge on her rivals here. Um, the one thing about her being so short is that it's um, probably, well, is almost includable, isn't it? In, in fact, our little jet, her stablemate's the one that could get um, the other support in the race, but uh, Fiamma, I think, is the one to beat. Uh, look, Ruby Wingate, something's got to run a place and offer value, and she's mm. been doing that with regularity um, in, yeah. in recent times, so... Um, I think uh, she she could probably get into the to the mix there, but um, for me it's uh, it's all about Fiamma from her stable mate, our little Jed, who's first up from a spell. It's a decent enough draw, draw 
for her. Diamond Shoes is a is a pretty handy uh, mare, uh, and and the nine uh, Monomia. Uh, she's on the only only runner on the back row now because Kiang Jackie is a scratching, but. Uh, $1.28 twenty-eight for Yama. I, I must admit, before I just checked the price, I thought she was going to be a little bit shorter than that. So, um, dare I say it, $1.28 twenty-eight might be a little bit of value. Six three four nine. But when they get into about a dollar oh six, then when, that's when you get a little bit wary. And when they're first up, just like last week, it'll be interesting market moves, won't it? If there's money for our little jet and Fiamma drifts a little bit. Uh, they may pile into our little jet, if you know what I mean. They'll be starting to think that the camp knows something that we don't. Oh, that's right, particularly uh, if our little jet could lead. Uh, I mm. mean, there's a possibility that that is the case. Um, Fiamma might be able to either sit outside of her or glide on by, but our little jet's got a barrier draw, I think, at $8.50 if you liked her. I mean, she is first up. If you like her trials, you could... Um, be entertained by that price. It's a it's a reasonable price, but it could go the other way too, and Fiamma could end up a dollar oh six. and Heavenly Charm has if you're having a first four in this race, you have to include her. She just keeps keeps on doing it. For some reason she just keeps running in that top four. She was terrific last week at big odds as well. Race nine, the Isuzu Ute Go Your Own Way Trot. A small field of six here, Dan, and it looks like Gardena Ronda, which is a strange name for a horse. I wonder how they ever come up with that. There would be a reason for it somehow. Gardena Ronda, out of Val Gardena. I'm not sure where the Ronda comes from, but that's that's neither here nor there. Is it on top for you? Look, it, it, she is. Her, her last start was terrific. It was the first time that Kate uh, Gath had driven her, and they really clicked. In fact, it looked like she might have been overdoing it. She charged away a bit Vaux-Rogue-like tactics, wasn't it? Like the way she ran along, but she just kept running along and and scored with authority. Um, I thought it was a, a, a it was her best run to date. She's performed well enough and was going through her classes bit by bit, but her last run was significantly better. So if she runs up to that, she's going to be hard to beat. But um, I can't with confidence tip something else to beat her because you know she's got the gate speed. She should end up in front. Um, if something else was going to try and keep her out, it's going to probably be tested, but it could go the other way and Gardena Ronda could overrace this time. But um, I like the progression that she's making. Uh, often when a trotter uh, goes well, they keep going well and alternatively when they're out of form, they remain out of form. And I think she's on the up, and, um, yeah, I have to tip Gardena Ronda to win here. Um, I think the four, Sultan Sass could be the improver. Two, she sails. Look, she's going really well, and, and Countess Sharon, three, four, two, and six. Yeah, Countess Sharon is suited by the small field here. It like, came from five back the outside, ran second, four back the outside, and one. So I don't think she's going to be that far off them. And if Eagles next and she sails sort of – go hard early to get that spot and then hand up to Gardena Ronda. It could be the horse that benefits Countess Sharon, and particularly if Gardena Ronda over races. She's race fit. Ray Cross's horses are going 
as good as ever, better than the Roses at home, according to what he was telling me last night. They're not doing well, his Roses. So hopefully uh, they can uh, bounce back with a bit of heat over the coming over the coming weeks. And majestic pride for Mick Bellman. Well, who knows what you're going to get. And the horse is pretty similar to Mick, actually, as well. Uh, <laughs> I can say that about Mick. He is one person you can say that about. Now, Dan, we'll get our clear a commitment. We'll come back. We'll get your best bets for Saturday night at Ballarat, for tonight at Melton, and we'll get a multi from you as well. Here are the panel's best. Dan Malecki's best for Ballarat on Saturday night. Fire away, Dan. I, I, I think I know which one will be your best. Uh, race three, number eight, Ruben's Pied, if you made me guess, just from the confidence you sounded. Well, you should listen more carefully. Oh, um, because I did state at the very start of the show uh, that I was extremely keen on race one, number three, the Chancer. However, yeah. however, oh, however, oh. Um you might find that Ruben's plight gets a, a good uh, good say uh, and is included in the in the multi. You don't want to spoil things, but my best bet, <laughs> race one, number three, the Chancer. Uh, best each way, I thought race six, number five, Sweet Passion. The Chancer and Sweet Passion. Actually, the good all up would be Sir Eros into Sweet Passion, wouldn't it? Uh, well, uh, we can... We can dig down into your multi in a minute. We normally have a uh, little teaser for it, which Ollie is going to grab hold of on the buttons. It's time for Multiculture. Right, we don't have to wait too long. Dan, fire away with this multi. Now, there's a, by the sounds of it, there's a few different ways you could do this. Yeah, well, the, the, the way, uh, the genuine uh, way that I've looked at uh, the all up, um, I'm going a win into a win. Race one, number three, the Chancer, into race three, number eight, Ruben's Plight. And if you're feeling um, really sexy, you can go race five, number 11, Tango Tara. Wow. And of course, the other way you could go, which is not necessarily my preferred uh, way, but you could go Sir Eros into. Uh, sweet passion into sleepy. Now that would be an, uh, a topical treble, don't you reckon? <laughs> into sleepy. There, there's ways you can put like four horses in and only get sort of three of them, and you get a result, isn't there? You can yeah. You can tell it ain't as bad. in a, a parlay. <laughs> yeah, parlay. Um, or is that what it's called? Yeah. That well, I forget what is it for for four, but you get your you, you know your Yankees and your your, your all up parlays. <laughs> um, and you can pick two, three, four, five, whatever it is that you want to take. But my genuine all-up is race one, number three, the Chancer, into race three, number eight, Ruben's Plight. I was merely having a bit of fun with some of the other names. But there are horses that oh, I think can win as well. Oh, okay. So Sleepy. Oh, sir, oh, sweet passion and Sleepy. Now I'm with you. Oh, and Tango Tara. Okay, okay. Uh, the Chancer at 260. See, I'm too serious, Dan. I take things very seriously, as you well know. And Ruben's fight is $2.15. So if we multiply those out, and I'm literally getting the calculator out. You might have already done this, Dan. But 216 by 215 is $5.60 or 5 59 
uh, for Dan's multi this week. And uh, you could have it for the place as well, uh, certainly. And uh, we haven't got the place odds for Ruben's pie mm. as yet. But if you wanted, you could do it both ways, have, have them both to win and both the place and see if you can't get a result that way in either. Melton tonight, I assume you're calling there tonight, Dan. Yeah. I, I haven't thrown you under the bus and said, produce some tips here off the top of your head. So you are calling. Yes, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely calling it Melton tonight. And one of the, well, I think the highlight for the night is the appearance of Captain Ravishing. He'll be having a bit of a workout between races two and three tonight. Um, so it'd be good to, to talk about this mythological creature and see him in the flesh because we haven't seen him for a while as he heads towards the Tabureka. Uh, and it'll be good to see him uh, work out on track. So there's, well, I would say that's the highlight of the whole night and it's not something you can bet on. Uh, but it'll be between races two and three, Captain Ravishing. He'll win, Captain Ravishing. Uh, so we can lock that in in a one-horse race. Who are your best for tonight? Uh, and will you be watching race one, number three, very closely too? Yes, indeed, of course, absolutely. Um, yes, I will be. Our family have got uh, shares in that. All my daughters, actually, have got little shares, at least out, of course, and, and the crew that are involved with the Cranbourne um uh, training centre as well that are involved. So I wish them all very well. Um, best for the night. Look, I, I thought race four, number one, Hello IT. I thought it had the gates be where it could lead here. And, and the horse that is, looks the obvious threat is I'm a Wingate. He's going to settle behind it. So it might actually be a good Cronella race. But I think uh, Hello IT can win. That's race four, horse number one. That's um, I've put it down as my best bet. And each way, race five, horse five, Mariachi, I reckon, uh, is is a bit of value. Doesn't win out of term, but continues to race consistently enough in similar type races. So, uh, Mary Archie uh, can win race, or certainly run top three, race five, number five, and it's about $11. My little value player of the night, even though we spoke to Leroy O'Brien, if Destroyer makes a mistake, race 10, number seven, Rarity Rock, He's got a bit of gate speed. We haven't seen him off the front too often. Scott Ewan will take the drive because Phil Ellery will be the mobile driver on the night. So uh, Scott Ewan uh, on board Rarity Rock will start from gate five. We'll show a bit of gate speed, I reckon, tonight. We'll get up in a forward position. Not sure he can win. I don't think he can beat Destroyer from what I've seen in trials, but he certainly will be up amongst the top three or four. And at $19 and three seventy, I thought was great value tonight. And uh, my best bet would be have been if you want just one to win race one number one Chiripo a dollar fifty five uh, I don't think you you want it any shorter than that but she's just a level above those and and should be too good for them uh, Dan uh, I think we've we've got through everything we have to get through we've done very well this morning Yep covered a bit of uh, territory haven't we so <laughs> yeah. um, hopefully we've found some winners there and. You get an opportunity to spend another couple of hours on your Friday morning putting another uh, package together of, of all the winners. At least you've tipped, and, and maybe I can contribute, but um, uh, you seem to be going pretty well yourself. Ah, uh, yeah, we get the odd one here and there, that is for sure, but uh, it's all uh, taken with a bit of a gamble responsible attitude as well. And I think between us to get all those first fours last week was pretty stunning, and I just wanted to highlight it. Uh, according to Sean McNulty, it was all just me time, but I'm pretty sure you were featured in there <laughs> in there at some stage. He, he made a, his horse won yesterday at Horsham, and, and he reckoned uh, that he could have run the last quarter in 27 
uh, Sean McNulty. So uh, we're sending him up to Jason Grimson and hopefully Sean comes back and can run that last quarter in 27. No, maybe his new name will be The Flash. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. Let's not go down that track. Well, Dan, thank you so much. We'll let you go. We'll get a break clear. We'll catch up with Darren Carroll. He had some tips for tonight as well. well. We'll let you off the leash early, Dan, seeing you've got 11 races to get through. The first of 5.20 tonight. And the last, your favourite race of the night is at 10.44. So it's a big evening for you. Uh, enjoy it, mate, and I'll see you at Ballarat tomorrow night. Good on you. Thanks, Toby. There's Dan Alecki. A break. We'll come back. We'll catch up with uh, Darren Carroll's tips from uh, from Giddy Up today, uh, this morning, which will be for Melton tonight.